0: When Dan walked in before, he said to me, uh, oh, I see the microphone, are you singing today? And I said, well, if I did, this church would empty very, very quickly. Good thing we have the Word of God. That saves me. I think I should pray first, because I think I'm going to need it. Maybe you will too. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the season once again, Lord. We thank you that we celebrate you in this in this country, Lord, and Lord, as we go into the Word today, Lord God, uh, we want we want Your heart, the Father's heart, to be revealed to each one of us, so that we see, Lord, what more and more what You are like, so that we can become more and more like You, and we pray that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Many of you, uh, I'm sure. Uh, have been watching or at least are aware of the presidential debates that have been coming on, oh, for the last, actually, couple of months. Uh, I think, uh, the Republicans, I think, had four of them and the Democrats had a number of them too. I don't know. I didn't keep track of them all and, uh, I don't know. But there's oh, just a lot of men and women running for the highest office in our land, the, the, the president, uh, the president, the office of president. And, of course, each of them has many, many talents. Uh, Some say that they can, uh, you know, uh, take care of the economy in our country. Some are really good at uh, finances. Some say that they just get a lot of things done. Others say that, oh, they can help the poor in the country. And at some point in time, we're all going to have to make a decision on that. You know, on, on who we're going to vote for based on you know, all the things that they, they have uh, set, uh, said and done in, in the past. When Jesus was on the earth, he had to make a decision like that too. He had to pick a number of men who were going to turn the world upside down, who were going to continue on with what he had done while he was on this earth, especially in those last three years before he died for us. And I wonder, what were the qualifications that Jesus was looking for when he went to choose these men? And so I'm glad you asked that question, because (laughs) let's take a look in Matthew Chapter 4, just a couple of verses real quick. It's chapter 4, and I'm going to start in 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And I like that word, immediately. Because they, right away, knew that they were going to be following Jesus. That they wanted to do this right away. And I think that's one of the things, one of the qualifications that Jesus is looking for, not only in his disciples, but also in us. Are we immediately ready to follow whatever Jesus wants us to do, whatever he's, whatever he is, uh, is saying to us? So I, don't, I want to go back and see uh, what does Jesus and what does God see in people? What does he see in these first two disciples? Because they were only fishermen. They didn't really have any of the qualifications that he was looking for other than that obedience that he, that he had. And Jesus can see into the hearts of people. You know, when Jesus chose you and I, he chose us as we were at that time. And who knows, you know, I mean, you know, but we don't know each other that well to know what were we really like when Jesus chose us. But Jesus wasn't looking at what we were really like. Jesus was looking at what we were going to become. Okay, so let's take a look at this wisdom that God has. And we're going to go into Isaiah, where we were actually last week. uh, Chapter 9, starting in verse 6 again. Very familiar during uh, the Christmas season. For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yet last week we talked a lot about the peace of God and, and getting that into our hearts. Okay, Today I want to concentrate a little bit more on Wonderful Counselor. And let's see what that really means. Let's go over to chapter 11 in Isaiah. And we'll see a little bit more in depth on that. Chapter 11, verse, starting writing verse 1. It says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Okay, we're talking about Jesus now. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, and might, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. A lot of good qualities that Jesus had, that Jesus used in choosing uh, his disciples in the beginning. That word "wonderful," by the way, a lot of times means supernatural. Okay, so there, there's really a, uh, um, a just a marvelous gifting that that Jesus had. And I I love the simplicity of it. God is is so simple. He's not complex. You know, when we study about God, a lot of times we study philosophy, which is the love of uh, of wisdom, and theology, which is basically a study of God. And it gets so complex. But what did Jesus answer when he was asked about the kingdom of heaven? He chose a child. He brought the child over and says, unless you're like this little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. God is, is so simple in the way he, he deals with things. Many of us might have taken a little child at one point, and we throw the child in the air and catch the child. What's the first thing the child says when he's back down? Yeah, more. Do it again. Do it again. Right? The simplicity of a child. Now, every morning, that sun rises. What does God say the next morning? Do it again. Do it again. Okay? He's very, very simple in his things. I think of Jesus in his life when he was uh, dealing with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were trying to trick him and say to him, um, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And what does Jesus say? He didn't get this complex answer. Well, first of all, and second of all, and, and, and th- number three has an A, B, and C, and, and, you know, all this complex. He says, give me a coin. Whose inscription's on the coin? Caesar? Give to Caesar what Caesar's. Give to God what's God. Very simple in, in his uh, dealings uh, with it. Let's take a look at how he dealt with a man uh, that came to him. It was the famous story of the rich man who wanted to kind of justify himself. And that story is in Mark chapter 10. So we're going to go there. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, take up the cross and follow me. Jesus saw right into his heart. He saw that he had one barrier. Okay he was he was obeying all those commandments but he had that one barrier and that was his wealth Now that might not be the same for each one of us What we need to do is we need to look at our own lives and say what's the barrier in it that is preventing us from drawing closer to Jesus Might be several things it might be might be in layers where you you know, God shows you one thing, and if you overcome that, God shows you something else. But it's the, it's there are things that may be in our own lives that are stopping us from following Jesus closely. And that's what he saw into this man. Again, it's, the, it's God's wisdom in, in being able to do this. Another is the um, the stoning of the adulterer. Let's go to John chapter 8 real quick. Chapter 8, starting in verse 3, it says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Again, trying to trick him. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. I've heard a lot of discussions about, what was Jesus writing on the ground? and We really don't know. That's, I guess we never will. Maybe when we get to heaven, God will reveal that to us. I don't know. But think of the wisdom. Whatever he wrote, they all disappeared. They all left. Okay, And then he dealt with the woman after that, once they were all gone. There is a, a great wisdom in God's words. Of course, it's the Word of God, and God has this wisdom, so His Word has this wisdom. I want to just finish up in talking about how does God deal with us as far as uh, our walk with Him. And let's, let's just go to 1 Corinthians and chapter 12. Starting in verse 14. Again, the wisdom of God. It says, For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the, be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he's pleased. He's set each one of us in the body. When you think of our body and how it works... Okay, he's saying in here the eye can do what the ear does, and the ear can do what the hands do, and so on. And we kind of take that for granted. We all know that uh, our, our whole body can do certain things, but only when each member does certain things within within it. You know, for example, if we're eating food, okay, we have to use our hands first to pick up the food, and then we get it to our mouth, and then we taste the food, and then. We swallow the food and then our stomach takes care of the rest so that we get the, uh, the amount of protein and things that we need from that food. So there's a lot of different things coming together to make something happen. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. We're all here together, but God gives us each certain talents, certain abilities that we can use, but it only works when we work together. Okay, no solo person goes out and does all these things all on their own. We have to work as a body with Christ as the head. Okay, so uh, sometimes God gives us more than one talent. All right, for example, just our hand. For for example, our hand does so many different things. I mean, we can pick that food up and put it into our mouth, but our hand also. Uh, feels soft things. Our hand also warns us. If we touch a hot stove, we know that we can't touch that because we get that sensation right away. So the hand has been given many, many different things to do, which you might also be given many, many different things to do. But it's still connected to the body, and we are still connected to the body. We have to be working together to Fulfill what the Father wants. And the Father wants all to come to him. He wants all people to be saved. And in order for that to happen, we need to work together in order to be doing that. Okay? We need to be praying with other people. We need to be working with other people. All these things have to happen. And, you know, there's a wisdom that God has that we need. And in the book of James, uh, Jesus said to pray for the wisdom and if you pray for it you will, you will receive it and that's important for us to be doing to, to be praying for that so that we have the wisdom that we need in order to, to lead others to, to Jesus and also to, to bring ourselves into a closer relationship with God all of these things are, are really important remember God is always at work he's always always doing something it's us that need to just join in with him. What's he doing? We have to have that wisdom and we get it in prayer so that we see what's God doing and we get with him joining with others, okay to lead many, many to to, to, to him so let's let's pray about that this morning, and then we're going to have communion to kind of celebrate. The birth of Jesus uh, by receiving him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your your word this morning. We thank you for all the things that you give us and all the things that you show us. And we pray that uh, as we celebrate this season, Lord God, that we all draw into a closer relationship with each other and a closer relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray that, Lord. Amen.